It's a war, in fact, for the whole world. But not just for the whole world and all that it contains. It's a plan to create new types of humans to, to replace the old type. And the old type is pretty well the, the most people. They're the common people, the people who haven't kept their lineages, who haven't picked their mates or had them picked for them for genetic traits and so on. That's called commoners. That's why you're common. You see? And we're also junk genes. We are the bottom level of evolution. And these boys at the top have been pushing evolution. And it is the new religion. And science and scientists are the new priesthood, you see. And we're told everything by experts. And it's taught in school. All these things are taught in schools, in fact, until it is talked into reality and becomes reality. Back with more after the following messages. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix and picking up where I left off there about the coincidence theories that everyone runs on. You're taught that everything must be coincidence because everything happens by circumstance and accident in this world and all these experts just can't foresee what's coming along and we, we stumble down through time and suffer the consequences because we're after all, we're all human, you see and nothing is further from the truth if you look at wartime scenarios and I mentioned this before you get ration cards, gasoline is rationed everything's expensive, food is expensive you get a ration card for that you get... You get um, Government, all departments of government expanding incredibly over the top of you and you need permits for everything. And you obey. You obey because you have martial law in wartime situations. And we're in the Third World War now. A war for everything and a war to bring out after 30 years of this and definitely the end of the 100 years because it is a 100 years war, remember, according to Mr. Rumsfeld and Mr. Bush. Uh, a whole new type of human servants to serve the small elite. The old type will have died off by them or been killed off through different means. And talking about food, which is so important, you see, you've noticed that it first started with the crops in the Far East and the Middle East uh, with a strange fungus under, under different um, corns and so on and rice as well and these are modified these are the modified you know the best ones the ones that were supposed to all it's going to save the world but at this fungus and so we saw the prices shoot up on different products from farmers from those countries and it's still going up and then of course we have the stuff back home as well people think well we'll grow our own food and this has been encouraged in Britain you see the people uh, have been into their gardens and planting their own vegetables because the cost is going sky high. And they were encouraged by all the green movements, and again, who are all sponsored by the governments and the foundations, to stop using chemicals in, in their gardens and chemical fertilizers and start using the old stuff, the manure from farmers. And being good little Britons, and the Britons are very, very good, they obey their governments. Uh, same thing when they had to bring down their population from the 1900s onwards, they did come down to about one child, one point, whatever, per family. And then Maggie Thatcher says there's not enough Britons left to pay off the national debt, and she opened the floodgates to immigration. So 
you always do your best to please your masters, but it's never good enough. And even if you do do the right things, it's always wrong in the end. Well, they were all told to use this manure for the gardens, and here they go. This is from the guardian.co.uk from yesterday, the 29th. Homegrown veg ruined by toxic fertilizer. Gardeners across Britain are reaping a bitter harvest of rotten potatoes, withered salads and deformed tomatoes after an industrial herbicide tainted their soil. Carling Davis reports on how the food chain became contaminated and talks to the angry allotment owners whose plots have been destroyed. And it gives you a little picture there. I'll get all the pictures and you know what they're talking about. There's a farmer by the field. Gardeners have been warned not to eat homegrown vegetables contaminated by a powerful new herbicide that is destroying gardens and allotments across the UK. The Royal Horticultural Society has been inundated with calls from concerned gardeners who have seen potatoes, beans, peas, carrots and salad and vegetables wither or become grossly deformed. The society admitted that it had no idea of the extent of the problem, but said it appeared significant. The affected gardens and allotments have been contaminated by manure originating from farms where the hormone-based herbicide aminopyrolid has been sprayed on fields. Dow Agrosciences, that's Dow Chemicals, which manufactures uh, aminopyrolids, have posted advice to allotment holders and gardeners on its website. Colin Bowers, Dow's UK grassland marketing manager, told the observer that links to their products had been proved in some of the cases, but of course it was not clear whether this particular pesticide or herbicide was responsible for all of them and tests were continuing. Well, they have to say that as the PR department's job. It's undoubtedly a problem, he said, and I have got full sympathy for everyone who is involved in this. He said the company was unable to advise gardeners that it was safe to consume vegetables that had come into contact with the manure because of pesticide regulations. So they can't tell the truth because of pesticide regulations. All we can say is that the trace levels of this, this particular pesticide are likely to be in these crops are of such low levels that they're unlikely to cause a problem to human health. It's killing the vegetables. It's killing the vegetables, but it won't cause a problem if you eat it. The Dow website says, as a general rule, we suggest damaged produce um, should not be consumed. Those who have already used contaminated manure are advised not to replant on the affected soil for at least a year. So now your soil is contaminated. What a time for it to happen. Eh? You try and, and get by and do the logical thing, I'll grow my own vegetables, and bang, they've already hit that too. They've conned you again because they conned you taking manure, which they knew contained this stuff. They didn't just find out now the cattle uh, were passing this stuff through them. It also means it's also through the meat of the cattle, by the way. But they're also passing it through the cattle in, in the manure, and that goes right into the gardens. Amino pyrolid, which is found in several Dow products, the most popular being Forefront, a herbicide, is not licensed to be used on food crops and carries a label warning farmers using it not to sell manure that might contain residue to gardeners. The Pesticide Safety Directorate, I love all these, these bureaucrats, these levels. The Pesticide Safety Directorate, which has issued a regular update on the weed killer, is taking samples from affected plants for testing. Problems with the herbicide emerged late last year when some commercial potato growers reported damaged crops. In response, Dow launched a campaign within the agriculture industry to ensure the farmers were aware how the products should be used. In other words, it was your fault, you're using it wrongly. Nevertheless, the herbicide has now entered the food chain. 
those affected are demanding an investigation. And what does it say here? Uh, and a ban on the products. They say that they have been given no definitive answer as to whether other produce on their gardens and allotments is safe to eat. It appears that the contamination came from grass treated 12 months ago. Experts here again. Experts say the grass was probably made into silage, then fed to cattle during the winter months. The herbicide remained present in the silage, passed through the animal, and into the manure that was later sold. Horses fed on the hay that had been treated could also be a channel. Brian Pugh, legal consultant at the National Society of Allotments and Leisure Gardeners, said he was preparing claims for some members to seek financial compensation from the manure suppliers, but it was extremely difficult to trace the exact origins of each contaminated batch. It seems to be everywhere. Hmm, seems to be everywhere. From what I know, it is endemic throughout England and Wales. We will be pressing the government to ban this product, he said. So it takes this to ban the product. Now, how long has this been getting used? And, and it's been already fed to the animals and so on, and you're getting it through the meat as well, obviously. But this particular article goes on and on and on. And there's other articles about this coming out of Britain. And it's got so bad there, there's people raiding other people's gardens for food because the vegetables have skyrocketed in price. It's quite, quite amazing what's happening in the world we live in. And this, this is what you do when you create a war. But, of course, for the coincidence theorist, that's all it is. It's just another coincidence happening at a very coincidental time to do with food, isn't it? Quite amazing. Quite amazing. And as that's happening, here's how they help you. Here's how the big market forces help you. Now, you would think when things get tough and money gets tight and we're in the middle of, uh, or at least the beginning of a Great Depression, and that's in the papers too, by the way, the coming depression, that was Barclays Banks of, of a big warning out that we're going into a crash. And it's a managed crash. But as the food's going and all the rest of it, you think they give you a break. Wouldn't that be the normal thing to do? But no, they don't. They actually intensify the crisis in so many different ways. And this is from the Mail Online. EU markets are forces market trader to pulp thousands of kiwi fruit because they're one millimeter too small. This is, and that's put out by the Daily Mail reporter on the 27th of June. Now, I can remember quite a few years ago when the, the EU Commission banned British oak for sale because the lines in the oak were too wavy and they gave all the contracts to Germany because they were straighter grain, you see. And that's no kidding. Well, here they are. And they also had what they call butter mountains and vegetable mountains. And they would dump thousands of tons of the stuff in the channel, by law, to keep the prices up it, 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 right throughout the European Union. And they're still doing this stuff, by the way. Well, EU forces market trade to pulp thousands of kiwi fruit because they're one millimeter too small. A market trader has been banned from selling a batch of kiwi fruits because they're one millimeter smaller than EU rules allow. Inspectors told 53-year-old Tim Down he is forbidden even to give away the fruits. You see, they forbid you to even give them away, which are perfectly healthy. So here they are, your gardens across Britain getting destroyed by a, a chemical 
which they knew was in the darn stuff, in the manure. They knew this. And he's a guy who wants to give his fruit. He can't even give his fruit away because one meal were too small. The father of three will know will now have to bin the 5,000 kiwis costing him 1,000 pounds in lost sales. Speaking yesterday from the stall in Bristol he's owned for 20 years, Mr. Downs said, it's total nonsense. I work hard enough to make a living without all these bureaucrats telling us what we can and can't sell. They're saying I'm a criminal. They're telling me he's a criminal for selling his fruit. But the real crime is that all this fruit will go to waste, all because it's one millimeter too small. It's a terrible waste, particularly when we're feeling also in the pinch from rising food prices, and I've got to throw away this perfectly good fruit. The case comes only two weeks after the European Commission said it wants to relax rules on misshapen, misshapen fruit and vegetables. Incredible, isn't it? Incre- not in- but then when you're on the strategy, it's not incredible at all. Back with more after He's this quiet. point. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt cutting through the matrix and I've told people for years that whatever is given to the public in technology has other purposes than the one you think it does there's always for instance computers were given put chips in when they were made from the very beginning to allow government agencies by law to access your computer anytime they wanted to, these back doors. That was a law back in 95 when it first put out, including your, your phone as well, and fax machines and all the rest of it. And Canada and the U.S. signed the agreement back then to do so. And it's always a different purpose because they, they get you hooked on technology, and we know it's to monitor us and watch us and know what we're all doing. And I've, I've read this stuff on the air before from the horse's mouth. And here they go with the next step of the technology, because now that you've all got the technologies, you need to find out the real uses that it has. And this is from Wired magazine on the 26th of June. It says, I've seen the future and it has a kill switch by Bruce Schneier. It used to be that just the entertainment industries wanted to control your computers and televisions and iPods and everything else to ensure that you didn't violate any copyright right rules. But now everyone else wants to get their hooks into your gear. OnStar will soon include the ability for police to shut off your engine remotely. They already have that. Buses are getting the same capability. In case terrorists want to reenact the movie speed, and that's what they do, they give you the movie first, then people go and do it. The Pentagon wants a kill switch installed on airplanes and is worried about potential enemies installing kill switches on their own equipment. But where's it all going? Microsoft is doing some of the most creative thinking along these lines with something they call digital manners policies. According to its patent application, DMP-enabled devices would accept broadcast orders, limiting capabilities. Cell phones could be remotely set to vibrate mode in restaurants and concert halls, be turned off on airplanes and in hospitals and anywhere else for that matter. Cameras could be prohibited from taking pictures in locker rooms and museums, I should add again, anywhere else and recording equipment could be disabled in theatres. Professors finally could prevent students from texting one another during class. The possibilities are endless and very dangerous. Making this work involves building a nearly flawless hierarchical system of authority. Now, this ties in with another article in the mainstream again to do with the, the, the fact that they can actually... They're using a new type of Wi-Fi. It's an extended Wi-Fi that can cover vast areas... 
that, that goes along separate from the cell phone technology. And wherever you are with your camera, whatever, they can actually listen in with you. They can actually download all your pictures, every photograph you take, and actually tell you exactly where you are without using global-positioning satellites. This system's already here. And that's what this is all about, you see. They want to now have this. And now you're going to have a hierarchy of authorities who have the ability to manipulate this equipment on behalf of governments and government agencies. Another big bureaucracy on top of it will have the right to decide what gets switched on, switched off, and to whom. And if you're on their bad books, you know you're going to get punished, don't you? So look into that article as well, and you'll find there's a lot of other articles out there on this explaining the technology that, as I say, already exists. It's out there, this new extended Wi-Fi, separate from global positioning satellites. And I think we've got a caller there. Matt in California will take him now if he's there. Are you there, Matt? Yes, hi. Yeah, my volume is really low here, so you have to speak up. Okay, um, I'm a I'm a teacher. I'm a, I'm a student teacher, and uh, some, something that interested me in your, about your book is you said something about Plato and Socrates, their their interpretation of the word of logic, and mm-hmm. um, and you said in your book that it was a way of controlling um, the outcome of what people's thoughts will be. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? And um, but in other shows, you said one of your grievances about the school system was that they don't teach critical thinking and logic. Is there, is there a difference in, in those two types of logic? Yeah, when you're getting taught logic and reasoning, it's up to the individual to work through the steps and, and through the reasoning for themselves. It's not a group consensus thing, you see? Oh, yeah. And uh, today's schooling is all pretty well group consensus, and the majority all have the same opinion, then they must be right. That's how it's taught. And yet sure. Plato and, and, and many of his cohorts agreed that very few had the ability for critical reasoning, even in his day. And that's why they could sway them so easily along a certain design path of logic, just like a computer program, so that the listener would eventually come to a preordained conclusion which they wanted. And if you read their dialogues, that's how they're intended to be. That's how they work. They're actually bringing you to a, a viewpoint on different topics by guiding you along what you think is reason and using logic, but they're actually guiding you through a series of events till you come to a preordained conclusion which they knew and they know how to take you to it by using specific methods because they understand logic. You see? That's interesting. Yeah, I see. I, I, when one of my stages of waking up, I, I realized that I, I kind of joined a, a kind of a new age kind of group, and kind of where they would teach me. It was kind of, I think you mentioned it before the perennial religion, yeah. And they would uh, they would make you think that you know it was your conclusion, and they would give you a bunch of stuff to study, and then they think mm-hmm. they make you think that it was your creativity and your reasoning that brought you to it, and then and then mm-hmm. sooner or later you just realize, wait a minute, I just was just following the the rules, and I came to that. Yeah. But, but um, it, it, do you think that's um, what they what they they tell us to teach today in schools um, all, in all my teaching classes they tell us to teach the, the Socratic the Socratic method of teaching would yeah. you say that that was a bad way of teaching or uh, it, it would it, there's two methods of teaching it hold on or back after these messages thank you.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt, back cutting through the Matrix uh, with Matt from California on the line and going through this business in school to do with critical thinking and logic. Now, last week I'd read an article from a British newspaper because in Britain they're doing away with much of the higher understandings of reading and writing and spelling and all the rest of it and geography and history has all been put away and they're going to get taught social responsibility. In other words, political correctness for the upcoming societies. And it's all it's all worked out in classroom with groupthink and they have types of shunning the person who doesn't go along with it until you conform so they use peer pressure to make everyone go along and getting back to critical reasoning and thinking and so on the ancient philosophers in Greece especially when it comes to guys like Socrates and Plato and Aristotle uh, who were both students of Socrates Socrates, remember, was condemned, and a big, a big to-do is, is, is made concerning the, the fact these unjust people um, basically ordered him to drink the hemlock. But the charge really was that he was corrupting the youth. And we're going to go even back further to, Aris, to, to Pythagoras, who had his school burnt down after coming, as they all did, from Egypt with this philosophy went back to their homelands after getting uh, taught in Egypt through the mysteries and wherever they went they were really fomenting a type of revolution and even when Socrates drank the hemlock Plato took off uh, for quite a few years to get out of the country in case he was brought in amongst it too and they say Socrates was condemned for corrupting the youth what he was doing was, in, was training them and training young ones to disobey their parents and actually create a new type of society a new type of society, again, along a, a new type of elitist agenda. And this carried on down through the ages. You find the same with Aristotle. He went off and became the mentor for Alexander the Great and helped him go off and, and encouraged him to go off and conquer the world and create a big empire. And so these guys all had missions. And philosophers, you see, philosopher kings had missions to accomplish. And they, they taught in two styles, like everything's taught with esoteric for the, the high initiates and for exoteric for the majority of people, same with Bibles and all the rest of it. That's how everything's written. And most folk reading the writings of these philosophers follow the exoteric, which is written in a fascinating enough style to, to make you picture the scenes they're depicting and so on, but you're not getting the real story. Um, in the esoteric traditions, they're actually encouraging and looking for uh, the perfect students. A pupil is called a pupil because you're the pupil of the eye. And it's the eye of Ra that came from Egypt, you see. That's why you're called a pupil. And the good pupils can see. You can see with the third eye, which is the mind. They use their mind. Most people do not. They simply learn by rote. And they don't use critical thinking and logic. But those who attended the schools in Greece, which were not uh, compulsory, it was the word school, schola comes in Greek from leisure. So only a leisured class, an elite wealthy leisured class, could wander around and wander in and out of school whenever they wanted to. Uh, they had nothing else to do. 
but those who were the right pupils were taught into the esoteric understanding of how to use logic to get other people on your side or behind you, even as an army, because you could convince them by using their mindset, their logic, you understand their programming, you understand the language just like a computer, and you can bring them step by step to a preordained conclusion which you designed in advance. Do you understand? Are you still there, Matt? Yes, yeah, I, yeah. I understand. Uh, do uh -huh. you think a method of reasoning, you, I, I'm sure you've heard of Bloom's hierarchy? Yeah. Thinking, do you think that is a kind of a good guideline for getting students to think for themselves? It could be. There was one book that was called, if you can get a hold of it, I read it years ago, and it was called Straight and Crooked Thinking, and I can't remember the author's name. But it was a fascinating book. It really did show you how most people view uh, um, famous people. Mm. It went through examples uh, of people in a high park who would get up on a soapbox and, and say that what appears to be the most outrageous things, dressed in rags, but you could dress that same man up who, get, who gets laughed at in the park, uh, give him a build-up in the media, tell him he's a genius, and put letters behind his name, dress him up in great suits and so on, and thousands will turn out and listen to the same speech from the same guy, and it'll be, they'll be parking everything he says as it was a holy word. You really? see, we're, oh. taught, we're, taught, we're, we're taught who to follow and who not to follow. That's not what they say, it's how famous they are. I see. And that's why they use media stars to say simplistic things to the public, and we follow the stars. We, we don't question it. We, just... we don't question. Right. We have cults of, of, of worship for the stars, so they give us the stars, and that's why they get involved in politics and speak on behalf of people. Well, if so-and-so says it, and they're rich and famous, then that must, I'll take that opinion, or that's good enough for me. I see. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I think it's by Robert H. Thoulis is the, the author, T-H-O-U-L-E-S-S. -S. I'll search for it right now. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye. So, yeah, we're, we really don't understand. And, of course, Platonism did not die away. It was an esoteric religion. And as a movement for world revolution, Plato talked about their religion. He talked about the reason that they, the aristocracy himself included, were able to comprehend such deep matters and the masses could not. And he put it down believe it or not, to reincarnation. That was an essential part of, of the, the ancient belief of this elite class. But they also believed, too, they were descended from the gods, which is an, another story again. There was the right genetic makeup to allow this reincarnation to happen. And that, that, that comes right down to today. It's still taught in some of these schools today. And some of the elites still believe that today as well. And they can believe what they want. Of course, we don't have to believe it either. But they certainly do. And uh, Neoplatonism Platonism came in about the 3rd century AD in Alexandria, again, back in Egypt, and they revamped it. And from then on, from that century, their push was to create and perfect humanity. They claimed it wrong, perfect, but through selective breeding. Way before Darwin, special breeding, they, they could create superior types of humans. This is a very old, old agenda, and we're seeing it happen culminating in our own lifetimes. Right now, we're living through it and run by these societies, same societies down through the ages, and many of the descendants of the same uh, very well-known people. But I won't tarp on about all that. It's a very long, long topic. But this is getting back to the headlines again. And I hate reading the headlines. It just verifies what we've already been talking about. 
but this is his Barclays Bank. Barclays warns of a financial storm as Federal Reserve's credibility crumbles. And it's from uh, it's 28th of June. U.S. Central Bank accused of unleashing an inflation shock that will rock financial markets, reports Ambrose Evans Pritchard. Uh, Barclays Capital's advised clients to batten down the hatches for a worldwide financial storm, warning that the U.S. Federal Reserve has allowed the inflation genie out of the bottle and let its credibility fall below zero. We're in a nasty environment, said Tim Bond, the bank's chief equity strategist. There's an inflation shock underway. This is going to be very negative for financial assets. We're going into tortoise mood and are retreating into a shell. Investors will do well if they can preserve their wealth. Barclays Capital said in its closely watched global outlook that U.S. headline inflation would hit 5.5% by August and the Fed would have to raise interest rates six times by the end of next year to prevent a wage spiral. If it hesitates, the bond markets will take matters into their own hands. This is the first test for central banks in 30 years, and they have fluffed it. If zero credibility and the Fed is negative, if that's possible, it's lost all credibility, said Mr. Bond. The grim verdict on Ben Bernanke's Fed was underscored by the market. Yesterday, the dollar fell against the euro following the bank's dovish policy statement on Wednesday. Traders said the Fed seemed to be rowing back from rate rises. The effect was to propel oil to $130 a barrel, confirming its role as a sort of anti-dollar as the market approached to Washington's easy money policies. The Fed stimulus is being transmitted to the 45-odd countries linked to the dollar around the world. The result is surging commodity prices. Global inflation has jumped from 3.2% to 5% over the last year. And all this gobbledygook means is, is that the agenda is right on target because they have to create crisis after crisis after crisis worldwide. This could be worldwide, you see. And it all culminates at the same time. They must get the world into shock and awe mode. That's a wartime mode, you see. And we're not supposed to think for ourselves during this. We're supposed to think it's all just chaos that's happening willy-nilly out of happenstance and mismanagement and all the rest of it. The guys at the top don't make these kinds of mistakes. They plan centuries ahead. Centuries ahead. These same characters, remember, in charge of all the big banks, made sure that all the factories in the West moved to China. We lived through it in our own lifetime, not long ago, just a few years, through the GATT Treaty and all the rest of it. And all the factories went over to China. We were told we're now a service economy. You know, most of the people don't think through their lives, and they accepted all the Chinese goods suddenly appearing in the store without, without, a, without a thought, without a question. It just was because they're not conscious through their, life, their lives, actually. Most of them couldn't tell you when it started, when they first saw Made in China on everything. Most of them have no recollection of the factories being mentioned in newspapers as going offshore or over to China, or what GATT was either or NAFTA, or the free trade negotiations. Absolutely no comprehension. But they could probably tell you a whole bunch of series on television of dramas and comedies and, and what stars were bedded by whom and divorced by whom and all the rest of it. That's where their minds are. Because they have been socialized and domesticated to that extent not to think for themselves. Which is exactly what the big boys in the 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s who wrote books about this 
said they would do to the public. You socialize them, you train them, the experts are taking care of all the big problems, just go out and play, and we see the results today. We have a dumbed-down, stupefied, couldn't care less population who really think that there are special people born out of special wombs, a different class up there somewhere, whose job it is to be altruistically concerned about us. They really truly believe that. And they believe these special people um, should be given all the rope they need to fix things, even if it's to make sure we're all dirt poor. As long as they themselves don't have to get involved in the fixing. Anything but that, because they want time to play. And the time is running short because playtime shortly will be cancelled as we're all scrabbling to live. That's coming fast. We are already in an interdependent world. And they're making sure that you will not be independent in any way for your food, your water, and your, your consumption of fuel and so on. You're dependent on a whole bunch of institutions for that. And eventually... Eventually, it will, be, it will be classified as being unsociable to grow your own food when food becomes scarce. Guarantee you, this is what's coming. They want everyone equally enslaved to the governments that then are going to come out with all the ration cards and all the rest of it, and everyone must go along with the same agenda. Guarantee you. A year ago in Canada... <clears throat> the oil guy, the guy that fills up your tanks for oil heating, handed a form to everybody the last time it was around a year ago, stating from the federal government, stating that everyone had to get their, their, their furnace inspected by a government-certified inspector before he was allowed to fill your tank up. And they'd have to come into your home and inspect it, and you paid him a big fee to do it. And then whatever he said had to be done or repaired or whatever, you had to pay for it and then get the same inspector back in and pay him again. And if he okayed it, then, then you, consumer, were allowed to purchase your fuel. And I told them where to stuff it, where the sun don't shine. Because, you see, that's the intrusion and that's the hold again over, the, over you that they want to have. So I just started heating with wood solely by wood. I says, to hell with that. And I know it's only a matter of time before they come into your house, put your, gar- your carbon footprint to check how much smoke is coming out of your chimney. Because they can't allow you to be independent in anything that you need for survival. That's the bottom line. They want us all in it together. That's the slogan you'll see through all wars. We're all in it together. It's even been in comedies like Brazil, a movie well worth watching, written by Terry, Terry Gwilliam from the Monty Python crew. A future society where terrorists are supposedly everywhere, bombs go off, but no one ever finds a terrorist. And the biggest department in the whole world is the Department of Information Retrieval. They know everything about every individual. And bureaucrats run the whole show. Written in a comedy trying to tell the people what was coming, written years ago. Why did, how did he know that? Because this, it never changes its format. So totalitarianism and tyranny never changes its format. It's predictable. Predictable. 
and in ancient Rome. They tell you you'd have to give up your freedom for security. Every tyrant in history has used that. And right after 9-11, every media across the Western Hemisphere, at the same time, the day after, were asking the man and woman in the street, are are you willing to give up your freedom for security? All over all the major media, for those who still have memory. And even that was to make most people go along with the common reply, which was, well, I guess so. That's how, that's how they do it. Most folk want to be with the big group once again. You see, if you, if you give up your freedom for security, don't you realize you have no security then? Your freedom is your security. We, we can do a 180-degree mind shift the way we're indoctrinated here, and people don't think again through it. If you have no freedom, you have no security. Freedom is your security. That's why people have fought down through the centuries to try and get freedom. And after a planned takedown that had to happen in 2001, because they'd been working for years to get all these anti-terrorism bills put through all the countries so they'd all go into action at the same time across the whole world. That took years to plan and negotiate and get them all on board. And sure enough, 9-11 happened, and bang, everyone's under the same martial law, identical martial law. Canada tried to pass it, and they did pass it in, in the late 80s, 90s. Alan Rock rammed it through. Martial law bills, no one could figure it out. He knew it was coming. He's now working in the United Nations. Back with more after this break. I am Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix. And, yeah, I don't give up pleasant news, but after all, you're under war. The war's been declared on you. It's been going on for a long time, and you didn't know. I'm trying to wake those who can handle it up. And very few people really can handle it. It's not a pretty prospect. When you realize that pretty well everything around you, your whole culture, in fact, was created for you. And every step of the changes that you're going through were planned way in advance. The big boys don't make mistakes. You don't pay thousands of top people in specialized areas to make these kinds of mistakes. Remember, they planned the unification of the Americas a long time ago. They planned the, the taking off your factories to China a long, long time ago. And they worked through all the consequences of everything. And they also said that a surface economy cannot last long. They said that in Britain too. It's like paddling in the water until you can't paddle anymore. Only those that produce have all the spin-offs. Most of your economy was in spin-off jobs from the big industries. They're gone. Now we just pass cakes around from one person to the next until you buy what you need to. That's pretty well it. And to make sure that the oil goes up even further, they're keeping hammer the drums about attacking Iran. And in Reuters there, they just had an article out on the 29th. It's also from, from Washington as well, in Reuters, 
U.S. congressional leaders agreed late last year to, to President George Bush his uh, funding request for a major escalation of covert operations against Iran aimed at destabilizing its leadership. That means taking them out any way they can. According to a report in the New Yorker magazine published online on Sunday, the article by reporter Samuel Hirsch from the magazine's July 7th and 14th issues centers on a highly classified presidential finding signed by Bush, which by U.S. law must be made known to Democratic and Republican House and Senate leaders and ranking members of the intelligence communities or committees. The funding was focused on undermining Iran's nuclear ambitions and trying to undermine the government through regime change. What they don't mention here is they've turned down and they're not going to take up the offer that Iran gave out there to put special envoys in that could be there present at all the time in the nuclear facilities over there to ensure that they cannot make the weapons-grade material. They don't want to even hear this. So once again, you have Iran bending over here to comply, but no, you see the agenda is the agenda, and they want war, and they want to eradicate them. And unfortunately, the U.S. is planning this with Israel. The two of them are working together, and they want to basically, not, when they say destabilize the leadership, they mean eradicate them. That's what it means. And they want to put in their own puppet governments, just like they have in Iraq. And we know how successful that's been, right? But the psychopaths must have their day. They must play their games and slap each other on the back when they have their little victories over countries and peoples and continents and watch people suffer wherever they look. They get off on suffering being the good sadomasochists that they are. And there's no end of willing fools to put uniforms on to go and help them do it from the working classes. Well, from a Hamish myself, up in Ontario, Canada, where the sun actually shone part of the day, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>